Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, today, I have a special episode for you. I spoke with Keenan as part of my interview series with the four other semifinalists of Ring DNA's Sales Madness Bracket Challenge competition. The other semifinalists being Jeb Blunt, Mike Weinberg, and Paul Smith. Now, for those of you, those of you excuse me, who didn't participate, Ring DNA matched up 64 of the most popular sales books of all time, and we matched them up in a March Madness style bracket competition. And then we asked you to vote on your favorite sales book. And over the course of several weeks, thousands and thousands of people voted, and the books by these four authors were crowned the top four favorite sales books as a result. So today, Keenan joins me to talk about his book, Gap Selling, which was one of the two finalists, the other being Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. And so you're going to hear me ask Keenan why gap selling has resonated with so many sellers and become so popular as a result. Keenan, welcome. What's up, baby? Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, pleasure to have you. So uh, we caught you on vacation, right? Staycation. I mean, yes, I, I came out to Manhattan Beach for the summer to just, I don't know, change up the scenery before I... Not a bad place to be. Yeah, no, no. I'm having a good time. Not a bad place <laughs> yeah, at all. Not a bad place. Surfers? Anybody surfers? Uh, I, that was part of the reason to learn. Like the ultimate life goal is to do this every summer moving here on here forward. So I'll ski all winter and then come and surf all summer. Right. So um, I've done it a couple of times. I suck at it. So I got a lesson tomorrow morning, eight o'clock with the girls. We're all going to do a lesson together. Yep. What's the water temperature? Cold as shit. <laughs> wetsuits. Here we go. Oh yeah. I bought the wetsuits right when I got here. Yes. Yeah. 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 You need those. <laughs> okay. So first of all, congratulations. You were a finalist in Ring Days. There you go. Sales Madness Bracket Challenge. App Selling with one of the longest subtitles ever, getting the customer to yes, how problem-centric selling increases sales by changing everything you know about relationships, overcoming objections, closing, and price. Yeah, I wanted to win. I was mad. <laughs> I, look, I give Jeb credit, but I wanted to win. I have to admit this. I thought you were going to get knocked out in the first round by spin selling. I thought, you know, that's an iconic book. But then once you not only won, but crushed spin selling. You had 82% of the vote that first round against spin selling. I thought, nah, I think we may have a potential winner here. I was not surprised you made it to the finals at all at that point. Sure. What is it about gap selling that's resonated with people so much? I mean, it's, this is the book that's on everybody's lips. You know, it's hard for me to answer that question without feeling like I'm sounding like a douchebag because it's my book, right? Well, uh, you, can, you can brag a little bit. That's fine. You know, I, I think if, if I were to sort of if I sort of coalesce what I've been hearing from people, right? One of the things I've been hearing a lot is people really appreciate the fact that it, it is very direct, very straightforward, and takes what is normally considered complex topics or theoretical topics and make it very, very simple and easy to understand. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh my God, I, I get it now. I know what to do. And then I think they also appreciate that it's got actual exercises and it, it doesn't read or, or feel like a textbook or a traditional business book. I think people felt it told good stories, could walk them through, but then also it was just tons and tons of actual selling method and then they what to do with that selling method. I think that was what I'm hearing a lot. And I think the other one was the fact that it, um, uh, it was just, it was different, right? Like people could actually, all right, this is different than what I've been hearing. We challenged mm -hmm. a lot of the, the general notions and, and I think people are like, wait, I get it now. Like, I get how this works. Oh my God, it's making sense. I see mm -hmm. what's going wrong. Like, I think it's, that's it. I think for a lot of people, just make lights, bing, bing, bing. Right. And they knew what to do with those lights when they went off, those light bulbs went off. Well, give us examples of what some of those light bulbs are compared to other sales books or business books they might've read. 
So I think the gap in itself, the very simple concept of the gap when, in, in making people spend time and focus on the current state, right? It's like what I tell people all the time, no one buys anything and no one changes and changing is, is buying is getting someone to change right. until their current state is, is untenable. And if someone can't associate with their current state and say, wait, this is untenable. I can't stay here. This doesn't work for me. That's a problem. Then anything else you do is a waste of time. Right. So I think it really helped people a lot to crystallize how people buy. And, and what I say all the time, and I didn't do a good job in the book, is if you look at the gap selling framework, current state, future state, and the gap, that aligns with how we actually decide as human beings in everything we do. Whether it's you know starting the Ring DNA March Madness contest, whether it's running out and getting something to drink at the store, running to the store and getting something to eat, whether it's whether I want to clean my house right now or not, every decision is is done the exact same way and gap selling aligns with that the first thing we do is like oh do i need to clean my house right now i really don't want to well let me take a look assess my current state it's a shit show and it stinks and then you think oh and i've got someone coming over that is that's not tenable that's not tenable i have to change it so once i've determined what the changes do i do it now do i do an hour do i have someone hired someone to do it do i do just do some of it will they be going into my bedroom all of those are my options right and then based on those options, I figure out which one is best going to give me the desired outcome that I want. Well, gap selling is exactly designed to sell how we decide to change. Okay. So <laughs> this is sort of interesting thought process. So is, is what were people thinking before? So if you're a seller and if you're thinking, you know, my, my job is not to help this customer, it wasn't to help this customer cross this gap. What was it? What was I thinking my sales job was? Like, I don't think they were thinking at all. Like, I mean, they were thinking they had to sell a product. That's why I tell product-centric versus problem-centric, mm -hmm. right? They, they abdicated much of the problem-solving to the customer. And so a lot of salespeople, even with decent sales training, would run around and say, hey, look, I've got this phone, and it does this, and it does that. And if you have this problem, it'll do this. And if you have this problem, it'll do this, if they even did that. Look, at it's got this feature and that feature, and you can call your kids, and you can do this. Well, they don't even know that I don't have kids. Well, they don't know my kids are 25. Well, they don't, I don't like my kids, right? Well, they say, oh, you can take pictures. Well, I don't really care about the pictures. I don't go anywhere. Like, they just throw the shit at you, and then they expected the buyer to then assess, okay. Or throw it, right. Yeah, like work through it on their own. Right, yeah. That's an excellent book. And so, start moving on a little bit from that. Is, is We've gone through this shutdown period. You've been in Denver area. Um, what did you learn about yourself during this period? What was the biggest lesson you learned about yourself during the shutdown? I don't like sitting around for starters. <laughs> you do or you don't? Don't. Don't, yeah. Like that. Um, you probably knew that already, though. And I'm kind of lazy. I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> and I really need motive. Like, I really need something to get me going. I, I mean, I watched way too much freaking television. Yeah. Way too much. In some areas, I did some great stuff. In other areas, I think I squandered time. Um, but, yeah, that I'm more lazy than I realized. Um, I think the two. I mean, I yeah. Really, yeah. I mean, look, I work. I've been working as an as an entrepreneur for years. Right. I'm in. I'm, I think I'm almost. I'm in my tenth year at a mm -hmm. sales guy. I started the company by myself, just me. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. a lot of things I, I think I would have learned in this. I kind of learned a long time ago when I'm. You know, got divorced, just started the company, sitting at home on a Thursday, no kids, trying to figure out where my next freaking paychecks going to come from. And I was like, Oh, I better get my shit together. And I learned, you know, so I, yeah, no, it, it really wasn't that. How big is the uh, sales guy empire now? How many people? Uh, 
yeah, we, we're, you know, we're now seven figures and uh, five people and handful of, you know, five, well, four full times and a handful of 1099s that are, you know, seems to be growing by the day. And uh, <laughs> we're looking to hire another salesperson here. So be five soon. So, you know, not where I want it to be, but it'll probably never be where I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember we had this conversation when your first book came out, uh, Not Taught. It was about uh, building your empire. Yeah. And you've made great progress since then. Thank you, sir. So every period of transition brings a lot of changes to it. I mean, after 9-11, who thought we'd all you know, have the patience stand in line for security and these intrusive checks and so on, yet life's gone on, more people travel than ever because of that, or despite that. So what are the changes could be in the sales world? as a result of what we're going through right now? I think this, with the exception of certain things that by design or by product can't be sold virtually, I think the, any, the concept of outside sales reps is dead. I, I think people are realizing, be able to sell this shit without outside sales reps. Why are we going to pay that? Why are we going to lengthen the sales cycle like that? Why are we going to take so long to do that? Mm -hmm. I, think, I think structurally, I think structurally is where you're going to see the biggest changes, right? I think sales teams are organized, organized around complete virtual selling and, and really challenge why they needed outside salespeople. I think the other thing that we're going to see is, is well, I'd like to see, mm -hmm. sure, is that um, more emphasis is put on the selling motion. Organizations really need to start focusing on the selling motion and how are their salespeople literally engaging with their buyers and what are they focused on. And when you went through a period where people had very limited amount of money, their priori priorities shifted and you're still trying to get them to see value in your product or service, you can't do that by saying, hey, look at my phone, right? You can't do that by saying, Andy, you're such a cool guy. Oh, you know, your son, he what a neat kid. And, oh yeah, you used to have red hair. No kidding, my mom had red hair. Ah. Like you can't try to do this friendly bullshit. You gotta really position yourself in a virtual setting with people you've never met before over a computer screen. You gotta get them to recognize that, yeah, you can fundamentally change their business by solving some pesky problems that haven't been able to solve, been able to, solve to date. And that's not, that's not how we've done it in the past, in my opinion, most salespeople. But you still have to make that connection with somebody. You still have yeah, to build make, trust. Yes, trust, not likability, right? You know how I feel about this. I, I do. don't need to like anybody, but trust can be done through credibility, right? Like, I could get more credibility by asking three or four questions than I'll ever get by asking where you went to college or commiserating on the fact that we're getting old and going gray. Mm -hmm. So we got to teach our salespeople to have enough industry knowledge and problem knowledge. Acumen. So they, yeah, business acumen and problem knowledge so they can actually have conversations that create credibility with the buyers. Like, Ooh, whoa, hey, that, wait, go back. What was that? Talk to me again. What? That was a great question. My favorite statement by buyers, my favorite statement, even more so than yes, is, oh, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Favorite one. So how do we teach acumen? I mean, if we say this is one of the big changes, and I agree with you going forward is, I think the, one of the big stumbling blocks is lack of business acumen on the part of sellers is how do we, how do we teach that? How do we encourage people? To, is that something we teach or people have to learn it on their own? Business acumen, they can teach on their own. I want to make it smaller, more precise. Yes, okay. I want business acumen, but I want sure. problem acumen. All right, describe that. Problem acumen. So no matter what product or service you saw, I mean, you sell, it was designed at some point in time to solve a problem. So your ability as a sales organization and as an organization in general is to teach your salespeople and everybody involved as much as you can about the problem, why the problem exists, 
what the root causes are of the problem, how the problem manifests itself, the impact the problem can have on an organization, et cetera, et cetera. So when you become an expert in the problem, you can now have problem conversations and by through problem conversations, you develop credibility for understanding why the problem happened, how it's impacting them, what the root causes are, what the potential solutions are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how you do it. Problem conversations. Too many people try to do business acumen and then their salespeople start talking about business issues that do have no impact whatsoever on the shit you sell. <laughs> yeah, they can. Absolutely. But I think that what, for what you're talking about problem acumen, for me, that is business acumen, right? You have to understand context of the problem the buyer has yes. so and and sometimes that context is in the context of well how does this organization make money and sometimes a lot of sellers they don't even understand how a, a company works yes okay okay i agree with that but that's the upper yeah, level yeah. business acumen but let's pick any product in the world and let's and let's be more precise i'll show you why i kind of grimaced pick any go, type go of ahead. Product. you pick it i suck at that picking product <laughs> um call coaching Okay, call coaching. So it is to understand, if I sell call coaching, to understand how a company makes money is important, but it is a, what I'm gonna say a second or third level of importance. Because I wanna get right down to the problem. Call coaching, call coaching addresses mm -hmm. underperforming salespeople right, mm -hmm. as a problem, right? So the more time I can spend and speak to why underperforming, why salespeople underperform, when it comes to areas of lack, and I'm just making this, but it, sure, go ahead. Right? I want people to understand the psychology around performance. I want them to understand things about ego around performance. I want them to understand the importance of communication and how people can um, accept or deny uh, communication. I want them to understand in, um, the concept of self-motivation. I want them to understand like everything you can when it comes to how people perform by themselves, sure. how people improve, how people learn. Right. That's more important than how your company makes money. I can get that in the second or third level. Okay. Take that for granted. But just let lay the things you talk about things you just laid out there. It requires a ton of curiosity and self-motivation on the part of the rep yeah. to learn that. Yes, but the, here's the cool part. I would argue it doesn't. If the company does all the research and teaches you that shit and educates you and all that, all you have to do is a basic discovery, know what you're looking for. Like, so why like are companies doing it? No, because they don't know the problems they solve. Because <laughs> they're too busy talking about the product. They're too busy calling, we got this great calling software. It's the greatest thing in the world. It'll make your reps better. They sell the future state. All they do is sell the future state, Andy. It'll make your reps better. It'll make you more money. They'll be more productive. They'll have better relationships. They, stop, they forget to stop and ask what the root cause and get into the problem. What problem are we solving? And, and why do these problems exist in the first place? And what perpetuates the problems? So let's take this in a little bit different direction then. So part of your business is, or has been, is recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. So is the profile in the new normal, the next normal, is the profile of what a salesperson needs to be in a purely virtual world, is that changing? Oof, this is a tough one for me I, because I have been such a, a rebel and a rogue when it comes to the traditional hiring for salespeople. Mm -hmm. I, I've sort of ignored how people endure or made assumptions. So based on my assumptions, it had better change, right? I'm tired. If another person says to me when they come to us to help them recruit and say, we need to find someone with SAS experience, I'm gonna punch him in the nose. <laughs> the fuck is SAS experience? Seriously, what, I mean, really? Right. That, that's basically SAS is a cloud-based application that can be accessed anywhere in the world. How does SAS experience 
help you sell. I mean, stop. So for my opinion, it just needs to be what I've always thought it was. And it, yes, it needs to zero in on people's um, curiosity levels, their business acumen, their um, critical thinking skills, their drive. It's almost, almost, almost all soft skills. I, I, and then the hard skills are your, your performance and your ability right. to articulate why and how you got shit done. Right. I don't care if you, if it drives me crazy. Like I will outsell 99.9% .9 of most people on anything you want to teach, like anything. Give me medical sales, give me freaking phones, give me gum, give me anything. And I'll outsell 99% of most people. But yet if I didn't, if I wasn't Keenan and I didn't have gap selling and I went and tried to get a job in, in medical sales, we go, oh, you've never done it. We're, we're looking at people who've done it. You idiot. You just passed on the best salesman you ever have. So how are people going to assess this? When you say, like, I mean, how do how they break out of the mold and say, yeah, this is a person with great potential per what you're talking about? they got to build a new criteria, a decision criteria mm -hmm. or profile for what a great salesperson looks like. Not a great medical salesperson. That shit can be taught. Yeah. Right. In the first three, six months, depending on how complex it is, I might get my ass handed to me as I'm trying to learn the, the complexities of a cardiovascular, blah, blah, blah. But once I learn that shit, you're done. Like mm -hmm. it's over. I'm going to crush everybody, everybody. So stop. So it's the, it's the decision criteria. The, the hiring criteria is all jacked up. They put stupid stuff out there. Like I need a SAS person with 10 years of medical experience, a degree, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? No, I agree. hundred percent. I was, I was a history major. I sold satellite communication systems. I mean, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I, I taught myself. As, yes. I'm sorry. Go. Well, I taught myself what I needed to know. Yes. Look, I think part of the problem, Andy, is, is part of the reason they, they do those things because those are easy, right? So is, I think it's too easy. Like, it's, that's an easy checkbox. Oh, medical. Check. Oh, you know, uh, 10 years experience. Oh, yep, check. College degree. Oh, yep, check. Uh, they made quota, you know, every time in their job. Oh, well, yep, check. Great. Hire they, they said they did. Oh, even better. Even better. <laughs> yeah. They said they did, right? They said they did, right. It's a lot harder to know how to interview for, qualify for, and uncover somebody's intellectual curiosity, somebody's um, business acumen, somebody's problem-centric acumen, right? It's much more difficult. So they just punt it. They don't know how to do it. Well, so tell us, how do you do it? Because I know these things are important to you. We've talked about this before. It's all over your first book. How do you, how do, you, how do, you do it? So one of the first things I do, and this is the hard part about this, is most candidates fail at it. So I literally have to, stat, once I get a small crew of people who did some of it, I have to take a start in the dark because most even screw it up. The very first thing I do when I'm interviewing is, all right, what questions do you have for me? Like, none. And I'm like, no, well, here's a minute. Like, what, as many questions you ask, I'm here to ask as many questions for you to help you understand. And they might ask one stupid high-level question, and then they want me to ask the questions. First sign right there. Mm -hmm. That's right. I'm literally begging you to do a discovery with me, and you don't do it, right? The second thing I do is within, and, and some people probably say this isn't HR supportive, but I'm very careful how I do it. I say, I'd like you to pick a uh, uh, project that you did, something you started all on your own. And I want you to tell me what was the project? Why did you start it? What was the motivation? What were your desired outcomes and what happened? Mm -hmm. And it can be personal or professional. I don't care. And I shut up. And if someone's never started something, fuck you, I'm not hiring you, you're out. I don't give a fuck. Like literally, especially at my age, I'm, kids, young kids, I'm a little, but if you start talking, 30, 35, 40, 45 year old people, and you've never ever started something at work, in your community or anything, you're useless, I got no time for you. And the reason I ask that question is because think about what it takes. What, what, why'd you start it? They should say, I had a SAR problem. 
this bothered me. I didn't like this. This wasn't getting done, right? A problem. And then I'm like, well, what did you do? And this is the solution to the problem. And how did you execute it? That question tells me so much about business acumen, problem solving, drive, creative thinking. Um, so th that gets me 80% of the way right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And yet, instead of doing that, as people go through and do assessments, right? Let's yeah. do off the ship personality assessments. I don't touch that shit. I, look, I, mine have been great when I take them. They fit me, but... I, I had a personality assessment tell me I wasn't good for a job once. And then somehow I got called, I forget how I got called back to that job. What am I crushed it? I was like, I'm not doing this. Like yeah. that was not, yeah, no, uh, I don't like that random stuff. Sorry. Yeah. I, I took one a couple of years ago. Was, I had a guest on my show and he wanted me to take his and he calls back afterwards and says, were you trying to game it? I said, no. He says, oh, well, according to this, you shouldn't be in sales. It's like, okay, there you go. Yes, so. you get it. All right. Well, Jim, we're out of time, but who, as always, who, Keenan? Sorry. Oh, I know you knew me way back in the day. But you I know, I know. When was optional? Now it's no longer optional. Yes. No. It's always not, a pleasure. Not, yes. 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 Thank you. You're a good always man. Always a pleasure. To to I like talking to you. Likewise. So, thanks for your time. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of this show. And I want to thank Keenan for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could also leave us a rating or review and let us know how we're doing, we'd appreciate it. You can do that all on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. So thanks for your help. And remember again, connect with me on LinkedIn or drop me a message if you have any questions about anything we discussed on the show. So thank you so much for investing your time to join me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>